This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. Hey everyone, the sun's out. Summertime is here, but the show's going to keep on going. Yep. Sun's out, guns out. You got your best Boston Celtics jersey on. You're ready to go. I don't remember the last time I recorded an episode of this show wearing something with sleeves. Yes. So sleeves are not your bag. And I it, respect it's, it. Mate, it's it's casual Friday every day at Stately Campton Manor. <laughs> and I wouldn't want it any other way. We are, of course, on the verge of the Pacific Championship. Uh six teams enter. Two teams leave, though. Not one, two trophies up for grabs uh, in the, in the tiers. I kind of like that. I think it's kind kind of a nice nice touch. Gives one of the lesser nations a chance to win a trophy, which I think is pretty cool. But uh, yeah, we've got uh, two men's games and two women's games coming at you this weekend. Um, starting in Townsville and then moving on uh, to Port Moresby on Sunday. But before we get there, we've got some news. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Semi run run Oh, he's absolutely buried it. The Blues have a new coach, Nick. Shout out to us for not doing the classic boom rookies thing of recording in the morning and then having massive news break around midday just after we've finished up. Which, by the way, no news has broken since the grand final. So this would have been, <laughs> express, like, this would have been especially annoying if we'd re- jump on at 9 a.m. to talk pack championships and then the match stuff had broke. But, well, we uh, got, we, yeah, this time, though, this time, this time we're in charge. This time we're on top of things. But, hmm. yeah, Michael Maguire, New South Wales origin coach. You, you, you have much more of a relationship to Madge than I do, but I would say I have much more of a relationship to the Blues than you do. That's true. How are you feeling about well, it? So I guess now we're like that meme of the blood and the crip holding up that scarf together. That's <laughs> you Madge. know what? That's, that's exactly what we're like. Madge, Madge is the is the bridge between us. Um, yeah, I'm delighted for him. I've always had a lot of time for Michael Maguire. I know it didn't work out particularly well at the West Tigers, but the guy who delivered South their first premiership of my lifetime is always going to have a special place in my heart. Yeah. And lifetime, lifetime pass. Correct. Sure. Exactly right. Um, we saw down the stretch in those later Rabbitohs years, it, the milk kind of went sour a little bit. I mean, he's known as a disciplinarian. He's known as a guy that wants to squeeze every drop of juice out of his out of his troops. And that did that. Obviously, we see that in every sport. Guys like Tom Thibodeau in the NBA, like that, can wear thin. Right, it can wear thin, but usually in the short term it gets results. The Tigers are a black hole where nothing can ever succeed or grow, so <laughs> you throw that out the window. But at South, that was a great method for probably what the first three and a half years he was there. So 12, 13, 14 in the first half of fifteen, and then it kind of went off a cliff for those last couple of years, and it didn't end in particularly great fashion. But you can't argue with the results over the over the first couple of years of his tenure. And when it's something like State of Origin, when you're only getting these guys in for a couple of weeks a year. It is a little bit different because you can't really overwork them and you can't really have guys get the hump with you for for pushing them too hard over the course of an entire season because it's not an entire season, Nick. It's, it's, it just gets his hands on them for a couple of weeks, a year. I've seen plenty of conjecture from both ends of the spectrum on this one. Some people saying, that, kind of running over things I just said and saying that, you know, he, he'll get them working together. He'll get them working for each other, all that stuff. Other people saying that he'll be another sort of lame duck coach because, you know, he's more of a, 
he's more of a guy that needs a season to get results in terms of like working guys hard and all that stuff. I've seen both ends of that. I kind of sit somewhere in the middle just purely because it's so difficult to get a read on this stuff. But given the options they had, I think it's fine. I think that there are far worse appointments they could have come up with. And in the realm of realism, like they weren't going to get Ivan Cleary. They weren't going to get Rick. Well, they, they tried to get Ricky Stewart. They couldn't get him, but why not get his assistant then? So, you know, I, I think it's, I, 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 I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to captivate the imaginations of, of, of the long suffering blues faithful, but I don't think it's a bad appointment by any stretch. I can find reasons to be optimistic about this and also reasons to be quite concerned. You know, like if, if you were looking for the positives of this appointment, you would talk about, you know, Michael Maguire's years of experience at the top level. Um, you could say, you could look at the job he's done with New Zealand, which I think has been pretty good. You know, he, he took over them when they were at a really, really low ebb after the 2017 World Cup when they lost to Tonga and they lost to Fiji and they sort of needed a little bit of a boost. And then in the second game, he coached him, they beat Australia. So he's done it. I think he's done a pretty fair job of sort of rejuvenating them. And if you look at the parallels between that and the blues, there are a couple, you know, he never played for New Zealand, but all the New Zealand players speak really, really highly of him and what he's been able to do in a representative setup with them. Um, I think one of the problems that the blues had throughout Brad Fittler's tenure, but it, it became quite exacerbated especially this year, as I think you could tell that the coaching staff just didn't have a whole lot of week-to-week NRL experience, you know, and you could see the difference that it made when they brought Ivan Cleary in for game three this year. Like, they essentially just brought him in to run the bench and it made a massive, massive difference, you know. So I think having, like, a coach who understands the nuts and bolts of modern rugby league maybe a little bit more than, than, than the old Blues setup, I think can be a real boost. Hmm. Well, Having said he... that, yeah. sorry. No, no, you go. Having said that, I I just don't love the idea of having an origin origin coach who didn't play origin, because while tactics are important, I think in origin, sort of emotion and feelings and passion are more important because mm-hmm. you've got seventeen of the best players in the world. They all know how to play. There aren't too many variations. In, in in the way that guys that in in the way that uh, a rep team can play you don't really have enough time to implement a lot of tactics or to change a lot of things so it's more about bringing the bringing the boys together inspiring them to work for one another uh, 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 teaching them about the significance of the jersey and the significance of the selection in the team and and all sorts of things like that and while I don't doubt that Michael Maguire will be passionate about New South Wales and he's, he's an extremely passionate coach I just don't know if he's going to be able to translate that given that he never experienced origin in that way. And if you look at the history of origin coaches who never played, it's not the best. It's not the best. So like, say we like, let's take the first 10 years of origin and throw that out because all the coaches, then most of them sort of made their bones before origin existed. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you, go, can't, you can't say that like Gus Gould didn't play origin because he probably would have if. Well, it's, it's just, it's just, we are now at a point now where there's several generations of coaches who who would have been exposed to that. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's fine. So if you look at it, right, so since 1991, there's only been one coach who's won a series who didn't play Origin, right? That was, that was Graham Lowe with the Maroons, and that was in 1991. 
you know, and like, and Queensland haven't really tried it since. Their coaches since then have been Wally Lewis and Paul Vorton and Mark Murray and there was Wayne Bennett, but again, Wayne's, Wayne's a, a little bit different because he's from the generation before. And then there was Michael Hagen and then there was Mal and then there was Paul Green and then there was Kevy and now there's Billy Slater. Like there's a, like it's the one thing that they all had in common. The Blues have tried and a guy who hasn't played Origin a couple of times. They tried it with Graham Murray in 2006 and 2007 and then they tried it with Craig Bellamy in 2008, 2009, 2010. And guess what all those series have in common? They lost. They lost them. Mm. They lost them. And by the end of Bellamy's tenure, and Bellamy might be one of the, is, is one of the best rugby league coaches of all time, but that didn't save him in origin. The Blues hit their lowest ebb when Craig Bellamy was coach. And on paper, he's probably the most accomplished coach the States ever had. Yeah. You know, so coaching representative football is different to coaching club football and coaching origin is different again, you know? So that, that gives me, that's always in the back of my mind. And then when you look at Madge's record at club level, um, I know that no one, no one is, has been able to bring success to the Tigers and he had an okay year with him in 19 and then things really fell apart. And I do think he was hamstrung in a lot of ways, but his last two years at South weren't great either. They were bad. Um, he's, his last six seasons at NRL level, he didn't have a winning year. Mm. So but just the, the, the track, the track record at club level, which is the largest sample size we have, isn't great either. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 to be honest with you, I didn't love a lot of the candidates that people were throwing up after um, Ricky Stewart and Ivan Cleary sort of ruled themselves out of the job. And I guess I get like I, I guess I guess Madge is fine, but I think given how badly the Brad Fittler era ended and how viciously the the Blues public have sort of t- have turned on the team in the last two years. I, I don't know. I, I would have been nice to have seen like a really inspiring hire that fired everyone up, but I don't think that person exists. Either. Yeah. So that couple of things there. So that is the thing you just said at the end there is, is my main point of contention is the fact that whilst I, everything you just said is very valid, there wasn't some white knight walking through the door to save the day. Like they just had, a, I mean, is Brad, where would Brad Fittler rank for you personally in like greatest of a blues, like top five? third second like top, how- oh, top three yeah so we just had yeah. him with joey as working with him who's also what second first in, in a blues jersey like between and with badiris too so three of probably by anyone's measure the top five or six guys to have ever worn that jumper all together in this setup for several years now and it didn't go great so and, and that that has also come in an era where the blues have had the talent advantage. The Blues have had better players in each of those Brad Fittler years. And you talk about how it didn't work with Bellamy and with Graham Murray. And I absolutely take your point on that. But again, you go back to that time period. And honestly, we we, we talk about that time period so much and how the Blues were at their darkest ever. And all of that is true. But I always think we kind of lose sight a little bit of how fucking good those Queensland teams were. Like, I, you and- know what? I never, I never buy that. I, 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 ne- I never, like, with due respect, I never, ever, ever fucking buy that oh, it didn't matter because Queensland was so good. I never but, buy that. Like they, really? were, they were talking about bringing Laurie Daly back, and they were like, "Oh yeah, you know he coached against the best, the best team ever, so his record doesn't count." Well, that tells me that all the shit that he said when he was coach, and he said, "We're not afraid of him. We're going to stand up to him. We're a team that you you can support." If you turn around and say the other team was always too good, 
and then those games didn't matter, then what the fuck were you no, saying? No, no, I, that, that, I'm not saying the games don't matter, but mate. No, like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not saying this. I just, I hate that. Uh, I hate that line of reasoning. I you hate can, like, well, you can hate they it. Were but... so, they were so good that it didn't matter. It's like, no, it always matters. Because it doesn't well, matter how good the I team mean, is. They can always be beaten and they will it, be. It does. You know? It, it, you know, for me, it does matter a bit when they've got probably, what, th- those peak origin teams. Uh, they either had Lockyer or Kronk. And then, so that's one of, two of the best 10 players you and I have seen in our lifetimes. And then they probably had all five of the top five that we've seen always at, the, at that level. They had GI, they had Billy Slater, they had Cameron Smith, they had Jonathan Thurston. And then they had, a, they had it's not like they, they had mugs everywhere else in the field. I just don't think that just because it didn't work when the talent disparity at origin was as big as it has ever been, in my opinion, like the blues were trotting guys like Wolfman and Anthony Quinn and fucking, who James at Manus and stuff out there for these games to play against Israel Folau and Greg Inglis, dude. Like, yeah, I understand. Who, who, picked, who picked him, brother? Coach. That, that's fine. But, like, yeah. And, but who was he supposed to pick instead? My boy Nathan Merritt. He got his chance later. We all saw how that went. And I Whatever hope Nathan's doing well. okay right now. Yeah, hopefully. But, um, that, that, so for me, I, I just disagree. Like, we're allowed to disagree. We disagree all the time. But I, I do think that it does matter that just how different those teams were. And in an era where it was like, oh, well, you know, Darren Lockyer can't play. We'll pick Cooper Cronk. It was like, well, they're playing against like, you know, the, the, the aging Trent Barrett and Mitchell Pearson or fucking Jamie Lyon playing five eight or things like that. Like for me, it does matter just how big of a gap in talent was. Like honestly, you take out you take Jared Hayne and Gal out of those teams, and how many of those guys would you say would be in a combined thirteen if you were picking them in across any of those seasons? Just why, those two. Why? Why is it? Why is it that? When Queensland are under Mander against the odds, they can always rise to it. Mm. And when the Blues are against the odds, we either throw up our hands and say it's hopeless, or we make excuses for them after the fact. I'm not but sure. Yeah, yeah well, that, that's that, that's kind of what I'm talking about, man. You know, no, like, I, I, that's fine. But like, I'm not coming at this as like a diehard Blues fan who's saying, "Oh, we've got to give Bellamy another go because like he, I, I you know, I don't care who wins Origin. I just enjoy watching it as a spectacle. And just as a as someone who's on, a, a true neutral to this stuff, like. I never gave those Blues teams much of a chance. And yeah, you've still got to play the games and all that stuff. And they only got swept that one time. But I don't think just because it didn't work with Bellamy when they just didn't have the cattle to compete means that it'll never work with a guy who didn't play Origin. Because you yourself said, like, who else was there? Who would you have wanted instead with Ricky Stewart and Ivan Cleary saying they weren't going to do it? Like, who would you have had instead? Um, what about James Maloney with the Morris? <laughs> well, yeah, of course. That's what I like. <laughs> For new listeners, that's my idea. But but the thing is, dude, Ivan Cleary didn't play Origin either, right? So, you know, like... Yeah, no, whenever... but if, you, if you're going to get a guy who hasn't played Origin, then get the best. Sure, of course. But, well, I mean, best. hang mm-hmm. on, hang on. Was Bellamy not the best when they got him for those three years? Yeah, and at the time, it was worth a try. (laughs) So look look what happened. But look, all I'm saying is, like, we just had a brains trust of three of the five best Origin players that have ever worn a New South Wales jumper, probably. At least two of the top top four. We just did that. And and I I know it ended badly, but Fittler's the second best coach the Blues have ever had. Is that by total wins or winning percentage, by the way? Both. What by percentage? He won like yes. he lost half his games. Yeah, it's not even only one coach that's won more than half their games. Yeah, Ser- are you seriously? Yeah, Jesus man, I'm Christ. not. I'm not. I'm not kidding you. Like, well, is Gus first? 
course Gus is first. Yeah. Wait, so you hang on. You're telling me no other Blues coach has a winning record in Origin? Oh, there's blokes who have coached. Oh, they've done like one game or something or one series. But, whatever, but yeah. It's... I guess that makes sense. They didn't win a series for fucking a decade or some shit. Yeah, so. it's not yeah. the best, man. No. Yeah, let, me, let, me, let me just get it in front of me. Yeah, all good. No, actually, yeah, now, yeah. That, now that we've said I've, it out guys, loud. Of guys, guys who coached. More than three games. Let's go. Let's go more than two series. Okay. All right. More than two series. Freddie's very clearly the second best. And he won how many? What percentage of his games? He, he won. He won. He won fifty. Gus won fifty-eight percent, and then Wayne Pierce won fifty-five. It is honestly so hilarious that like fifty percent is considered like the second most successful ever. Yeah. Well, doesn't that just paint? Doesn't that kind of prove my point of how dire the situation is? So they may as well do something different. I, I just don't know if it's if it's different. I'm just I'm I'm worried. What I'm really worried about is is them repeating the mistakes of that Queensland streak, mm. where you can say they had the best players and all of that, but the Blues just didn't put themselves in a position. to That's succeed, true. They did, you know, and th- and that's that's what I'm worried that this could end up being. But at like, I could be wrong. I'm wrong all the time. And maybe if Madge is there and is doing like a little bit of a coach's CEO type deal. And he gets some really good assistance about him. Well, we don't have any info on his assistance yet, do we? Yeah, I like some really good assistance. We're going to be able to translate that sort of origin-ness of it all into the playing group. Um, Maybe it can work. What year was Gidley bench captain? God, that was funny. 2010. Simpler times. (laughs) Yeah. Craig Craig Bellamy has the the 13th best winning percentage of any Blues coach. (laughs) Out of how many? Out of 15. Oh, so who's... I'm assuming last is on zero. Who's that? John Peart. He coached three games and lost them all. Come on, John. And t- Ted, Ted Glossop coached five games and lost four of them. Oh, dear. Can't gloss over that one. But, um, <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. 2010 was also the Tamana Tahu incident. So, yeah, great vibes all around the squad there. A bench captain and... We've sort of drifted away from, from Madge on this one, but I do think it's an interesting conversation about whether you have to have played origin mm. to be able to coach it um i did a story during during the year about guys who only got who, who were sort of one hit wonders i remember that yeah. and um i spoke to terry campisi about it and he played one game in 2009 it was game one so queensland had won the last four series but and that was the longest winning run in origin history at the time but you know blues had a real new look side a lot of new faces mm. the defeatism sort of hadn't really sunk in yet and I sort of said to Terry, what was it like? And he said, well, I came into camp and I thought it was going to be like, you know, big bonding sessions and legends around and like really sort of soaking it all up. And he said, and instead, Craig took us out to a training camp somewhere in country Victoria. So we weren't even in New South Wales. And all we did was, all we did was train. Like we trained a lot of wrestling. We trained a lot of like Melbourne storm patterns and all that. And we prepared for it. it he goes, it, it, like it was Craig Bellamy. So it was like, great technical preparation, but it felt like we were preparing for a club game, mm. you know? And yeah. I thought, I, I think that's a real insight into. There's also a chance Madge does that. By the way. Exactly. That's what, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. That's yeah, what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. He'll prepare this team the way he knows how to prepare a team, which is like a, like a, like a club site, you know? Mm. And that's kind of, that's kind of what worries me. Yeah. That's no, totally fair. What works in a club footy doesn't always work in origin. What works in test footy doesn't always work in origin. The, it's a different form you, of the sport. Have you read the aftermath section on the 2010 State of Origin series? No. Following the Blues' fifth 
of eight consecutive series loss, their main sponsor, Aussie Home Loans, withdrew their support of the team after just one series. At Aussie, well, at, at Aussie, we won't save you. Aussie John Simon just stormed into the <laughs> fucking New South Wales boardroom and said, we're not saving you. And took his big suitcase of money and fucked off. Fantastic. Oh, God. Yeah, they were dark times. I remember going to some of those games just thinking, what's the point of this? Like, Israel fully are just like, honestly, going full like Globetrotters versus Washington Generals on people. Like, mm. oh, both got the GI stopper. Remember that? How'd that go? Um, I'm going to guess not great. <laughs> not great. Uh, anyway, yeah. So we, we will have to withhold some judgment until we get some news on who his assistants are going to be. Because I, th- I do think you're right. Like, if he gets a couple of guys who really get origin for lack of a better term like some guys who were important yeah. players and that stuff then you know mate we'll, well see. i'll be i'll be interested to see who he does get in because mm. a lot of the, those rabbitos teams that were so good under match like there wasn't a whole lot of blue like just from memory there wasn't a whole lot of blues on them you know there, there was, was like, like nathan merritt and there was one walker, nathan merritt none of them who, who, had, who had like merritt and walker guys who like got a game no, Dylan Walker didn't play yeah. till after he no, left. No, 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 but, 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 that, that, no, but that's that's what I mean. There's like mm. guys that like have had close relationships to him at club level, who yeah. have played for the Blues. There's just not that yeah. many. And of oh, Renault, but again, like he didn't get picked yeah. until after Madge was gone too. From yeah, Renault. so I don't know. Maybe Renault's coming back. Don't tempt me with a good time. Put away the short dropout, son. No, we, <laughs> we can't. Time. I've leaned. I've leaned so heavily into being like a Nathan Cleary guy. Now it's too late. I can't. Come oh back no. Now. Yeah, too much. yeah, so I don't know. Like, um, pains me to say, probably they're probably gonna they're probably gonna bring in Gal. They're probably gonna bring in Boyd Corner. They've probably got to bring in guys like that, um, and just sort of hope that they can. Matt King's got to be around the boys' summer. He worked with Madge. Come grow on, the, grow the hair out, baby. If he gets at least one player to grow their hair out, then that, it, yeah, that could if, be the if difference. Matt King rocks up to Blues training with like a disco stew style fro. Yeah, but he gets who? Which blue? And Origin footy is back. Which blue could pull off the disco stew fro? Oh. Brian Tyler's got to wear the headgear, but it pops out of the headgear halfway through yeah. the game. Tyler's hair's really straight, though. Yeah, it, it is. It is. It is. Curl up like that. Yeah. So I don't know. That's a tough. Which one would you like to see with the fro? Well, I want to see Tyler's headgear pop off mid-game. Like, <laughs> the, the headgear explodes to reveal uh, his newfound disco stew haircut. Funny, so in the in the eighties, there was a front row for the Raiders named Terry Reagan, who was a character and a little bit of a wild man. See who Reg Reagan is based off? Partially, yeah. yeah. And um, it was back in the days where they didn't televise every single game and the Raiders never got on TV. So mm. one day they get they got match of the day down at Seaford Oval. It's a big, big deal. And Terry Regan was wearing headgear at the time because he was coming back from a concussion. And back then they thought headgears gave you concussion immunisation. So he sees the cameras setting up after the warm-up and after the warm-up, he runs in, he's got hair sticking out of his headgear, cuts off all the hair, he goes, TV game, got to look my best. Goes out, plays the game, comes back. Takes his headgear off and his hair is just a disaster because obviously he's packed it yeah, all up course, like that. Of course. So, and they were all meant to go to the Leagues Club for the post match presentation after Terry Reagan had one man of the match and couldn't skip it. If he'd skip it, he would have got dropped. So he did the only thing that he could. He put the headgear back on and wore it, wore it for the rest of the night. That's tremendous. Great stuff. Do you reckon Keon could pull off the afro? Oh. Maybe. Again, what about Romy? Romy could do it, I reckon. No, all these guys have really straight hair. I'm trying to think. There's like, no one, like Isaiah Yo's not pulling it off. Could Hudson Young pull it off? <laughs> Dude, imagine Hudson Young with a big blonde afro. It'd be unstoppable. 
I, I, I think I, th- I think that's too. I don't know enough about sports psychology, but if I saw powerful if and I, volatile force for rugby league, if, if you put an afro on Hudson Young, it would be like it would be like when when Spider Man got bitten by the spider and found his powers <laughs> for the first time. Like you just get out of the way, just yeah. let him figure it out. Bradman oh, best. Oh, that's a good one. Curl it up, baby. Fuck yeah! Uh, speaking of uh, Keon Komatangi, he's uh, staying at the Grand Old Club. Uh, he was rumoured to uh, be interested in uh, talks with the Canberra Raiders, but I can personally reveal that he said, uh, fuck that, fuck the Raiders and fuck Nick Cantor. Uh, thoughts? <laughs> um, strong words from Keon. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's just very, very rare that you get someone on the record very saying, direct. Uh, saying yeah. things like that. But yeah. He's wearing his heart on his sleeve like all good Rabbitohs men do. you gotta, you got to do it. So I'm I'm delighted. I've, I I felt like this is one of those ones that I've just been like expecting to be announced for ages. Like when they announced like Totola, Arrow, and Graham within like a few weeks of each other, like we all kind of thought, oh yeah, Keon's the last of the four of them that we need mm. to get back, and they'll they'll take care of that at some point. And then I got a little bit worried as it dragged further and further on, but yeah, thankfully today sorted. No open market for you, Keon. Um, he's a bit of a funny one, Keon, because obviously mm. on his day he's one of the best. Really disappointing back half of the year. Yeah, and he's got those those bludger, bludger in games in him. Like yep. um it was it was in the lead up to Origin last year when it looked like he was definitely gonna make the team. And then he just put together a really poor month mm. footy. Um so I guess get like investing this much money in him. I think Souths are hoping that like they pay him this much and then he lives he lives up to it, you know, because while on talent he's one of the best back rowers. In the comp, um, the last step for him is sort of not having those white games, like those two or three week stretches where he looks like he forgets how to play. That was weird, man, because he played really well in that Origin game that he did play, and yep. then he came back to Clubland and was just kind of like not good for the rest of the year. Very yeah, weird. yeah, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like maybe he thought he'd made it. Yeah, he, maybe he had it made. He stops working hard. Maybe that's what happened last year as well. Maybe he thought, yeah, I'm definitely making origin. So he stops doing all the things that got him in the mm. position in the first place. Um, I'll tell you what though, I think we could see more middle key on next year. I'd like that. I would like see that. A little me. bit more of that. So, I mean, uh, we don't have any edges. <laughs> don't have any. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's uh, the only, that's the only problem. They already have um, an edge who I want to see more of in the middle in Jai Arrow. Mm. Um, and maybe putting key on in the middle keeps him engaged more. So you get less of those flat spots, but also, well, it could be... Uh, you can't build the whole pack out of middles. You can't, but then again, there's also like... there's You could get a little bit of Cam on the edge because you've got Talis Duncan, Talis Duncan coming through as well, who's again, a really but good player. Cam, Cam's, Cam's a guy who can play on the edge, but middle's pretty clearly his best spot, isn't it? Mm, it's true. I mean, I'm trying to think like... Out of, like Yeah, I guess just it's not complicated if Keon just goes back to being the guy that he was. But if they do want to play him closer into the field to keep him more engaged... I do think the team probably does fit a little bit better with Duncan and Arrow staying in the middle and Cam going out into that edge, but we'll, we'll yeah. see what happens. We'll see. I don't know. You've got plenty I, of time I, to figure I, that I, out. I just, I just don't like the idea of moving your best forward out of his best position. No, that's true. That's true. I don't know. We'll, we've got a, we got a long time before we have to worry about that, not till March. Uh, Alex Twole, re-signed with the Tigers. Uh, there was He was linked with, what, Manly and the Bulldogs? But uh, no, staying put. So, great. Right. Yep, Tigers fans are delighted, I think. Um, Tigers fans should not be watching or thinking about football for me. No, I agree. Just go outside. Go for a go swim. For a swim. Yep. Uh, Jermaine Asako, Dolphin till 2026. So one of the nicest stories uh, of, of this past season continues to be nice with uh, Asako resurrecting his career and now staying put. 
until 2026. Uh, their, their CEO, Terry Reader said Jermaine simply could not have played better in 2023. You know what? He's probably right. Simply could not have. Impossible. Oh, and uh, some seismic news at the Roosters. Paul Momorowski is going to Leeds. Wow. Yeah. So The poor Momorowski heads out there are in mourning. The Momorowskiaks are not happy, but uh, they'll have to just deal with it. They'll have to deal with it. Okay, let's talk about these rugby league games we've got coming up this weekend, starting uh, on Saturday in Townsville. Uh, the Jillaroos hosting the Silver Ferns. Yeah, great question from you. Are New Zealand going to wear their black jerseys? Because it is going to be 7 billion degrees. Well, I, I, I don't think they have an alternate strip. Mm. I don't remember them wearing one the World Cup last year or in any of the internationals before that. So I think there's a chance that they just wear black and get sunstroke. Not great. Um, it isn't great. It's not what you want, I would say. No, it's not. Uh, I... I think that the, the the men's competition is a little bit more open, but I think that I think the Jillaroo is going to take care of business here and, and take care of business in this tournament pretty handsomely. Like this yeah, team is I'm, this team is ridiculous. I'm a little bit worried about the future of international women's footy. I think there's a chance that Australia just kind of streaks ahead so far that no one else can really touch them. You know, they won the World Cup final last year by 50 points. You know, they, 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 New Zealand ran them pretty close in the pool stages, but that was with an Australian team that was backing up on four days rest, you know, and this is an Australian team that's better than that World Cup team last year because they've got Tamika Upton in there and they've added in someone else as well. I can't remember who, but like you look at the team and it like star started doesn't do it justice. No. You know, they legitimately might have what fourteen of the best seventeen players. <laughs> fourteen of the of the best, yeah, fourteen of the best seventeen on the field. Yeah. You know, and I there's no real way for New Zealand to catch up, you know, because while you can get as many of those girls in NRLW programs as possible, it's just it's gonna take a it's gonna take could, something we, remarkable we, to run down that distance between the Jillaroos and the rest, you know. It, it could end up being a little bit like what we've seen in the men's game where those in inverted commas tier two nations have started to reap the benefits of like people with heritage from those places, uh electing to like play origin but then also play for Samoa or play for yeah. Tonga and stuff. And like, that's that's happening a little bit. Um yeah. Destiny Brill's playing for Samoa, Tiana Penatani's gonna play for Tonga, um, but those are like that's a handful of players. Yeah, you know? but hopefully more of that in the future. Yeah, yeah. But it's like you look, just, you look through this. Feel like, like we talk a lot about how quickly um, players have improved in NRLW programs, mm. and Australia were already the best team in the world, and now they're the best team in the world by a huge, huge, laughably huge margin. And yeah. I think New Zealand, with their best side fully loaded, could could maybe make a game of it. But you lose one or two players, like they don't have Amber Hall, for example, mm. and losing losing one player, one key player like that can kind like that that can be enough to sink them and take this from being a game that could possibly competitive, be yeah. competitive to a game that I think is going to be a well. Game. It's like you look at the standouts on the New Zealand side of this throw. It's like Appy Nichols is there, but like 
the other fullback's the Dalian winner. It's like Meli Hufanga was the good. Other, but... the, other, the, other, the other fullback is coming off the best season that anyone has ever had in women's rugby league. And then yeah, Meli Hufanga was a wrecking ball for Broncos, but she had a rough end to the season. And then the other team centers are Jess Sergis and Isabel Kelly. Racy McGregor is a great player. And then Georgia Hale at lock, she's really good. I'm re- I was really impressed with her. But again, the other lock's Samaya Matalfa. And yeah, like, it's, it's like, it's, what do you do? Yeah. I, I don't know. You turn up. Do the harker and hope for the best, man. I think yeah. I think that's kind of that's kind of all they got. Like the three Australian players in the reserves, Lauren Brown, Emma Manzel, and Keely Joseph would all walk into this Kiwi team. Correct. You know, and there are probably half a dozen other players who didn't get picked who would walk into this. Yep. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Australia in this one. I am too, and I think it could get a little bit ugly. Let's hope not for the sake of the game. Ah, uh, but then it's the Kangaroos taken on to ask Samoa. Uh, a pretty strong Samoan team, obviously, still up against. It's interesting, Mar- Mari Taulangi's first game since uh, switching sides. But uh, the, the latest the latest in that sort of what, what it's, uh, pipeline of guys to go, as we discussed, from, from the Australian setup into one, one of those Pacific nations. Which, again, more of that, the better, in my opinion. Uh, and it's a pretty good Samoan team, but I still think, like... You know, you look at the spine. This has always been the thing, man. It's like you look at the spine of this team compared to the to the spine of the Australian team. And I think that's where the Kangaroos just have this almighty advantage. Yeah, Samoa is just like losing Luai is just such a... Yeah, it sucks. It's such a blow for them. I know a lot of people are really low on Luai after the grand final, um, but he was great for Samoa in the World Cup last year. As the, as the, as the dominant playmaker... He stepped up and had a fabulous tournament. Was man of the match in the semi final against England. Played great, great, great footy. Um, and they just they haven't they have enough. For, I think they have enough players to have a really quality spine, but they just don't have the depth. You know, so you lose him and you lose Joseph Suwali'i, and all of a sudden, it, it just it just becomes that much harder. You know, I really like Suwa Far Longo. Yeah, he was he was really impressive in that one in that game we saw him at Suncorp. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Dejan Arcee as well. I've sung his praises on the show plenty of times. I think Stephen Crichton's going to go okay at five eight, but it's but like yeah, <laughs> it's just it's just it's just such a big ask. Their spine is asking us a team with so many weapons. Their spine is Stephen Crichton doesn't play five eight at club level, and then three guys who have a combined like 13 first grade games this year. Yeah, so who are like. I think Dejan Arcee's got 11 of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, Gordon Chankov, though, was like, I know he's got huge raps coming through that manly system. They've been really yeah. excited about him for a while. And he's probably going to be a fantastic player. But it just like on Saturday night, it just seems like. It seems that, like Payne Haas is going to grind his bones to make his bread. It you know? does because seem a little what, bit that's like that's what that. happens to well, young fellas against. I mean, Haas is interesting, dude, because I mean, this could, be, this could be one of the last times we see Haas play. Play for yeah, it. that was an interesting one that he was talking about. Maybe coming over Haas and Nas. They were saying Haas and Nas. Yeah, love that. Yeah. Love so that. A, a, yeah, a very, a very interesting rugby league is fascinating, dude. It's the like obviously, like you know how much I love the Socceroos. We both love the Australian cricket team, all that stuff. This is the one sport where we're like happy, if happy and excited when guys are left to play for a different well, I country. Did, I did want to talk to you about that, and I've got a story on the ABC today that sort of explores a little bit of this. What do you think the future of the kangaroos looks like? In what sense? Like the, the in, diaspora of it or like? No, 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 no. Like not, not, you know, what, how they're going to do next week or whatever, but I'm a little bit worried about what's going to happen in 10, 20, 30 years time when guys like Mal Meninga, who sort of made their, 
a big part of their legend is what they were able to do for Australia. When they sort of age out of the structures of power of the game, I, I, I really, really worry about what the future of the Australian jersey is going to be because, like, let's not kid ourselves from a pre- from a prestige level. It's probably as low as it's ever been. Well, it's the only sport in the world where the level below playing for your country is considered a higher yeah, honour. There's of no origin, other sport. Yeah, state of no origin other sport. Been, been the pinnacle of the sport. Imagine for, if, like, for a good to- can you imagine if, one. like, if it was considered more of an honour to play for, like, the South Australia Redbacks than it was to wear the baggy grade? Yeah, yeah. And like, just, I, I just think about the way that we talk about, about players and about their representative uh achievements right so the nathan cleary discourse after the grand final about whether he was the best ever always going to best ever and all that and the big knock on him is they said well he hasn't dominated at representative level it's like one well, no, world cup he has he beat daily cherry evans the guy who beats him in origin he beat him for the job in the world cup and his best game was in the world cup final and it when we, when we were talking about his rep achievements it, it was like it didn't happen or when the knives have come out for tedesco this year during the origin series or when he got picked in this squad again and everyone was like he's always oh, washed up it's like again he was man of the match in the world cup final hmm. you know and you can say that like oh they were always going to smash it up anyway though so none of it matters or anything like that but it still happened yeah it still happened that way and it's not just current guys who are sort of losing that part of their their, their legacy. It, it's it's other guys too. So like we go back to the Cleary debate and he was getting compared to Joey and Thurston and all that. At no point does Thurston's test record, which is 38 games and 35 wins, which is remarkable, that yeah. didn't get brought up once. It didn't get brought up once that Andrew Johns, even though he, he's held up as like indisputably the best halfback ever, he started more tests at other positions than halfback. Better get Brick Morley in the team anyway you can. But but like that's the thing. Like the te- test football just doesn't sort of factor in those discussions anymore, you know? And like because it's lost that prestige, because we don't talk about it, because we don't hold it up as an important part of the game anymore. I so the just just the Australian jersey, not not test footy in general. Yeah. I think there's a real danger that it goes from being a treasure to being a relic. So what do you think it would do for the game? If Australia lost a couple of these tournaments to Tonga or Samoa or New Zealand, what do you think it would do to the way that the general public views the Kangaroos and the Australian team winning games and winning competitions at international level if they were to lose a couple? Because That's it's it's kind of, it, it, yeah, because it's kind of like the, the only thing that I can kind of make a comparison with is like when the men's basketball team for America didn't win in 2004. And it motivated like all their best players to turn out in 2008. And it was this really big deal for them that they won the gold medal in 2008. And it seems like that again, kind of gets lost in time. And like with, with them having more and more success, it becomes more of an afterthought again. And so like, if we were to get to a point where Australia weren't the dominant force, could it actually be a good thing for the game? And could it actually mean more? Like, like, again, it's kind of like how, like it used to be a really big deal if we go to the West Indies and beat them at cricket. It'd be a really big deal if we like if we would beat Pakistan or Sri Lanka or any of these places. But like a lot of these countries at Test level just don't compete anymore. They're not competitive. All the best players are playing T twenties or whatever else, right? So we just basically we can we play India, we can we play England, and we kind of can we play South Africa, New Zealand, and that's basically about it. But those things used to matter when those other teams were better than us, or when they not maybe not better than us, but at least as good as us, or like could hold their own. So like maybe if we keep losing guys. 
to these other countries and get to a point where we look at these lineups on paper and go, well, shit, this Samoa spine's better or this this forward pack is better. And if you know what, if if if, if the Australian pack lost Haas and he went and he goes to another team, then you could probably make that argument. So maybe they need to have this sort of gap get closed in on them a bit more for people to truly care. Or if that doesn't work, then maybe it is just impossible. I don't know. I I don't think it is possible because over the last 10 years, like over the last 10 years, there was a time when New Zealand won three test matches in a row mm. against Australia. Number one in the world. Yeah. Tonga, Tonga beat them. And that was mm. incredible. Of the, of the, in the two years before the pandemic, Australia won two games and lost two games. You know what I mean? Like they are still the best team in the world. They'll be the favorite in every single game that they play. But the rest of the teams are good enough now that on a good day they can upset Australia if all their if all their guys are there. I don't think Australia losing is 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 going to be enough, you know. And I actually think Test football can survive fine without Australia being involved. Like Samoa versus Tonga is a good enough product. On those those mid those mid season Tests were always more exciting to me. They're than ama- yeah, they're amazing, yeah. right? They're, they're, they're wonderful expressions of, of culture and community and pride and how that sort of all is, is represented by the team and all that. And it's all these thing, great things that the Australian jersey used to be about. And I, I just feel like it doesn't have that same prestige. And I'm, it's not the fault of anyone in the setup. Like if Mal Meninga can't get people fired up for the green and gold jersey, then there is not a person that can. And I don't think it's the fault of the players either. I think they all still take it tremendously seriously and i think mm. they all still they still feel prestige but like dylan edwards is skipping his brother's wedding to go play for his country like that's the like it's very clear how much it still means to all of them i don't think it's a problem with the players or the coach i think it's a problem with with the fan base you know and it's it's and it's how we talk about it it's what we want from from these games there's always a lot of mm. conjecture about and a lot of discussion about who's making squads and all that, but there's more interest than that than there is in the actual game. People treat it like they almost treat it like it's like when in the share and they get the all Australian Guernsey. Like it's yeah. more about the prestige of be their their guy being selected than actually yeah. wanting to watch yeah. that guy play. Yeah, if like imagine you, you said before that like when you watch Australia play, you want them to lose because in the long run that's better for the international game. Like mm. I'm like that myself. I know so many people who are like that. You know, because you see something, you see a team like Samoa or Tonga or Papua New Guinea or Fiji, and it just it feels so much more vibrant. It feels so much more it's fresh. True. It feels so much more connected to these communities than 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 the Australian team does. You know, and part of that is is because of the changing sort of landscape of the sport. You know, the origins become so much more prominent. But part of the problem as well is they just don't they just don't play that much. That's the other thing, dude. They, they just don't they, play that much, like. The last, like, they played in the World Cup last year, right? And that was their first test match in three years. Mm. That's the longest time that, hey, they hadn't played a game since the Second World War, mm. you know? And when rugby league got stripped down to its bare essentials in COVID, the NRL decided that test footy wasn't going to be there. It's not, yeah. it's not an intrinsic part of the sport. It is a luxury and it is treated as such. And when times are hard, the luxuries are the first, the first thing to go. You know, the, uh, like Australia hasn't played a test in Sydney against a tier one nation in nine years. Mm. They haven't played at Stadium Australia, the biggest rugby league stadium in the country, in 18 years. They oh. haven't played Great Britain or England 
ostensibly their their oldest rival and their biggest. The the rugby league ashes used to be the pinnacle of the entire sport. Yeah. Right. And it was that way for nearly a century. Yeah. Australia hasn't played Great Britain or England on home soil outside of a a, a tournament or 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 yeah outside of a tournament in twenty one years. I picked I picked these two players specifically to try and drive your point home because they didn't have very much overlap at the international level. So James Esco made his origin debut in 2016, and he's been the consensus Australian fullback since 2018, right? He's he's played twice as many origins as he has games for Australia. Yeah. On the flip side, Billy Slater, 31 games for Queensland, 30 games for Australia. One and one, basically. Yeah. Yeah, they just don't play enough games anymore. Yeah, they, they, they don't. And I don't know where they're going to be able to fit the games in because they've got to be at the end of the season and there are always going to be blokes. What do they used to do them? They used to play, they used to be games. Like they used to be the Anzac test after like round five. Yeah. They, well, they've, they've had them all over the place. They used to have mid season, mid season test series after origin. I'd see. And something like that. I don't think that's realistic. And if you have it at the end of the season, you're going to have guys pull out for surgery. You're going to have guys pull out for personal reasons. You're going to have guys get pressured by their clubs, not to play. All that stuff's going to happen. And I know you guys laugh at me how I go on about city country all the fucking time, mm. but this is how city country got the board in the end. It wasn't one big thing. It was 20 years of, of slow, slow degradation until there was nothing left to say. Yeah. And you can say, well, it'll never happen to the, to the kangaroos, but you know, 50 years ago, they would have said that it would never would have happened to the interstate series. And before Air origin came along, that thing was fucking dead and buried, mm. you know, and there would have been a time when they said it wouldn't happen to city country either. And that died as well. So I don't know. I just have, I have fears for the long-term future of, of, of the Jersey. And like I, don't even, know, I don't know how you fix it. I don't know how you don't change know either, it. But like, dude, it's even I want to think about. Even in the early to mid two thousands, you'd still get like these big chunky offset, like you'd get tri nations or the tour of England or whatever. Like you get six or seven games some years. Mm. And it just isn't happening anymore. We're getting what are we getting four. And even then, it's like it, it feels like a lot of people don't even know this stuff's on this week. And not anyone who listens to this, because yeah. obviously these people are like hardcore rugby league fans. But like, there'd be there's a podcast by sickos for sickos. Correct. And you ju- like you juxtapose like every person you and I know who doesn't watch footy, maybe didn't even watch the grand final. They all know when Origins on. They all want to talk yeah. to you about the Blues. They all want to talk to you about all that shit. But like, there's just that level. There's not. A, we can't even get one tenth of that level of juice for for this. And it's just, it's such a shame. It's such yeah. a shame. You know why they haven't played in Sydney for so long? Because they're worried they won't sell enough tickets. Have it at Allianz. You'll sell it out, cowards. No, I don't think you will. Don't you reckon? I don't think you will. Like that's why they. That's why they play regionals so much. That's why. Mm. They're playing test matches in places like Townsville and well, what are what are like tickets it? like for Saturday? Sorry? Do you know what ticket sales are like for Saturday? Uh no idea. I'm gonna click on get tickets right now while you keep talking. Yeah, but like I am I wouldn't be I'm not surprised they get a, a great crowd in a regional area, but mm. and it's great that they can play test matches out there. Like the wallabies don't play don't play in places like that. You know, the Socceroos don't either. Like getting the national yeah. team out there is is a is a really good thing. But sometimes you gotta play at the big house too, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I, I think they're right. I don't think if, if they did play it in Sydney, the kangaroos aren't one of the ones selling the tickets. Samoa's selling the tickets. Everyone's going everyone's going everyone's gonna go and see them. It's um it's apart from like the like the, the the back corner type areas of, of towns of Townsville Stadium, it's relatively like it looks like it's gonna be pretty decent. Like there's yeah, well there's that's, not that's, that that's there's there's a there's a few rows available still, but it looks like it's gonna be 
relatively full, so that's good. Well, that's good. That's good. I'll um, buy us two tickets right now. Say one hundred and twenty-seven. Yeah, forty meter line. I, yeah, but I just, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know how you change it. I don't mm. know what you do. Maybe, maybe something you could do is that you could sort of enhance the links between the Australian team and the Indigenous community. I think yes. that would be maybe to give give the team a bit more of a cohesive cultural identity. Um, because even though there are blokes in the team who aren't from Indigenous backgrounds, I'm sure they would all love like. Well, it's it's uh, kind of like, telling, like a, like a like a jersey with an Indigenous design. On it's or something. kind of yeah, telling that Latrell Latrell was like, "I've got to turn up for my community at Curry Knockout, and then I'm going to get surgery and not play for Australia." Like, well, is. man, it's funny because Latrell was one of the guys who was so pumped to play for Australia last yeah. year in the World yeah. Cup. You know, yeah. and I like you look at like I think it's a big reason that Tabawai Fidel is playing for Australia and not Samoa, who we played for. At last year's World Cup, I think it's a big reason that Katoni Staggs is playing for Australia and not Tonga. You know, I think it's a, you know, Haas, Haas might might switch, but Tino Fatasulmalaawi he hasn't either. So like, the pride in the jersey amongst the playing group is still one hundred percent there. The players still really care about this, mm. and I think that's a real credit to Melman Inger and what he's been able to do since he took over. It's just transferring that into not just the general rugby league population, but like just the general sporting population. I don't know how you do that. I don't know, mate, but like it just, I think that these games, if they're competitive and they're entertaining is a start, hopefully. So yeah. see what let's, let's talk about the actual team. Cause we, yes. haven't, we haven't done, we haven't. We done thought it was going to be a half hour podcast. Oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah. what do you think? Uh, oh, again, we touched on the spine briefly. I think that, I think that Samoa's forward pat is pretty handy. Again, but like they're not pulling up trees against 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 an Australian team that's got Patrick Carrick and, and Rube Cotter coming off the bench with Lindsay Collins and Harry Grant. Like this Australia team is as strong an Australian team as I can remember in in recent history. That forward pack is absolutely filthy, and the back line's not full of slouches either. I think that um, has Dylan Edwards ever played on the wing in his life? I think he played there like once for Penrith, okay. Like second or third. So I mean, great. Got, got to be, got to be happy for him, as you said, Very missing his so. brother's Very wedding. So. Cool we can ne- never, uh, never call him underrated again. It's no. over. It's so, done. I will not have it. I will not he accept. Played it. for Australia. He can't be underrated. Um, no, I think the great thing about the Australian team is I don't think there's been one person who's been like outraged at anyone getting picked. I think the no. reaction has been like, yeah, they got it right. <laughs> they got it right. You know they. They re- they re- they really did, you know. It's great to see like fresh faces like Tabai Fido and Stags and Cobo in there. That's always really really cool and a great re- reward for the three of them having great seasons. But yeah, this is pretty much the exact team I, that, that, I, I, that I would have picked. I love the I love the collar on the jersey, by the way. Yeah, it does look nice, doesn't Do it? Do they have names on the back? Because oh, could waste a lot of money buying a Ken Murray jersey. I'm not sure. Just that, we'll find I'm, out just, on Saturday. I'm just, man, I'm just happy that they punted the stupid number system that they had at the World Cup last year. I loved that. Yeah, you would. It looked fucking terrible. <laughs> well, did it challenge your preconceived notions of how numbers work? It was rugby league postmodernism. That is to say, it was being it was weird for the sake of being weird. Mm, just what every other sport on the earth does. That's fine. Oh well, if everyone does it, then it must be great. Kind of, yeah. That's how it works. If everyone else jumped off a bridge, would you? Aren't you the person who says the lion doesn't concern himself with the opinions of the sheep? Yeah, but I don't think like the NFL or the Premier League are sheep in this metaphor. But you're, but we meant we're meant to be the lions. Yeah, we we can be. Yeah, but there why, can be why other do you, lions. Why do, you, why do you want us to be the? The sheep? Premier League logo is literally a lion. 
Well, why do you want us to keep it up? The NFL rolling? has a team called the Start Lions. Bleating. Nick. Start bleating, son. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, you know, I've always been a fan of numbers. Anyway, it doesn't matter. They're back to one through thirteen. Um, yeah, Australia's going to Australia. I think will win this pretty handsomely. Yeah, I think, I just... think this is going to be like when New Zealand probably weren't as good as they are now, and they give the Kangaroos like a good thirty yeah. minutes, forty yeah, minutes, yeah. minutes. I think the and Australia surge ahead late. That's kind of what I'm expecting. Two, two through five for Samoa, pretty handy. But again, even then, it's like, yeah, like Isaac Tungo didn't have a great end to the season. Brighton Tyo is fantastic, but like, and Talungi's a great player. But like Young T, he's okay. But yeah, that, that, they've, got, they've got they've got five blokes who played Origin this year. That's crazy. And like, if Spencer Lenu's balls didn't explode, they probably have a sixth. Mm. Yeah. Oh, get 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 Greg Margie in there somehow. Yeah, that was that was a shame. I would have loved to have seen Greg the league just out there. Maybe they. The I mean, I would have gone. I would have probably gone. I would have gone. Probably gone. Either put Tungo in the forwards, work it out later, or put Talungi in the centers and get Marju out there instead of Young T. But I, I, I would have done the latter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. I mean, maybe Young T's a great trainer. New coach for Samoa, guy named mm-hmm. Ben Gardner, an assistant out of Penrith. I'm a really big fan. Okay. Is it? Is he the next uh, Penrith assistant that's going to get a job at a bad and old club and run it further into the ground? Look, mate, I actually think there's a bit more Andrew Webster about him. Oh, really, really you good. You heard guy, it here first. Really good guy came came um, into footy coaching from a teaching background, which I always, always like. Mm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm going to tip Australia. Me too. Okay. Sunday, double header in Port Moresby. You had not. I'd love to go to a game. Mate, it'd be fucking cool to go to one. Hey, it'd, it'd be, be really cool. Yeah. But it's crazy. You got to get like you got to get inoculations and stuff mm. two weeks before. It's like you're going to sign. Well, I, dude, no, I, I had to get. I a, had to get envoy of the East India trading. No, dude, I, I had to. I had to do all that when I went to Brazil for the 2014 World Cup. I had to go get like five or six vaccines slash inoculations and stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, that's what happens. But yeah, uh, I'd, love, I'd love to go up there one day. Yeah, me too. Me. But anyway, first, uh, PNG's women are not playing. They'll be playing. They've got the they've got the buy, I guess, for lack of a better term. So the first game in that in that group is Samoa versus Fiji. Uh, two destinies in the Samoan team. Well, how can they lose? How can you? Like when like we're not going to kid you. We know about the NRLW players in this in this game. We know about Niall Williams, Guthrie, and Destiny Brill, and Annette Claudia Nuasara, and a couple of the other Samoans. But that's kind of where my knowledge. Well, I thought Destiny. Uh, I thought I know. I like. I know a lot about footy, but knowing about the domestic Fijian women's scene, yeah, is a bit is a bit far for me. I will say, I thought Destiny Minos Party had a good end of the season with the Titans too. So, she did, yeah. yeah, they're um. I I know more. I know more Samoan players than I do Fijian players in this team. So I'm going to tip Samoa. As will I. It's a very rudimentary way of doing things, but the, hey, you know what? If Fiji win, then you can come and you can come and rub my face in it. But until then, shut up. All right, and then we've got the Kummels playing the Cook Islands. I did say to you before we came on air, oh, I looked at the Pacific Bowl odds and Papua New Guinea and Fiji are like $1.50 and $2.50. And then the Cook Islands are 26 bucks to win the whole thing. That's good value in a three-team comp. And then you said, have you looked at the teams? And I said, no, Nick, I haven't looked at the teams. And then I looked at the team. And then my first thing was that Brad Takarangi is not only playing, he is the captain. And not only he is the captain, on the NRL website, Every other player's name is formatted normally, but his is formatted in, in all caps for some reason. So it's like, yep, Stephen Masters, Brad Takarangi, just all caps. It's great. It's fantastic. That's the level of analysis I have for you on the Cook Islands. I think that the PNG Kummels will win because Alex Johnson is the fullback. I, I tell you, the PNG Kummels playing at home, they are a chance against any team in the world. And I'm That's including true. Australia, I'm including Samoa, I'm including all of them. Like, 
they're crazy up there, man. They grow, they grow a couple of they grow a couple of feet in front of um decent backline for the sort of for the for the Kummels too. Bob well, Darby, who had a bit of bit of experience with the Cowboys this year. The 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 Laybarts, Nene McDonald, AJ, as I said, Lock and Lamb playing halfback. Um, I the Justin Olms on an extended bench. That's wild. What's what's happening there? I don't know. He might be he might be battling an injury cloud. I don't know. But the fact that he wasn't that he like he might not be a walk up start to this side anymore, which is crazy. Nixon Putts always a name I'm happy to see. Yeah, me too. Great name. Me too. Great. I like, I like name. Ju- Judah Rimbu at hooker. Yeah. Uh, Cruise ten. Cruise ten. That's just outstanding. And Reese Martin sliding in jersey nineteen. Always nice to see. Yeah. I, I, a PNG going to win this and win this pretty handily like the cook islands have got a couple of serious operators but then they've also got a couple of blokes that just played kind what of happened to steven masters he was like handy when he filled in at south in 2020 and then he just that was it he went down to the he's been playing there ever since is, is that right yep the well that's the logical pipeline south city rabbitos to thorough butchers that's right yeah, yeah uh, png um are actually a really great example of how developing nations can be brought along like they don't have the ancestral players that Samoa and Tonga and, and to a lesser extent Fiji are going to be able to have. Um, you know, there are blokes like Lock and Lamb, for example, or the Laybutts or Jack DeBellin who are getting a go because they had a parent or a grandparent born in Papua New Guinea. But there's also a lot of blokes who come from, a, like proper come from Papua New Guinea and who get into good footy systems a lot of the time through the PNG Hunters. And now there's a much, much stronger player base than there was 10 years ago, you know, it's like to me, the PNG Kummels are the, they're the real success story in terms of developing international rugby league in a long-term sustainable way. You know, and one the- day with Tonga and Samoa, we might have to worry about, you know, when, when it's, when the, a, lo- a lot of those guys are able to play for those countries because their parents immigrated in the nineties. Yeah, 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 yeah. And once we get away from that, and if those patterns of immigration don't continue, then they could be hard up for players. Mm. I don't think PNG is going to be that way. I think what PNG is doing is very, very sustainable long-term. So that's great to see. Uh, and they've also got a new coach. Yes, they do. Justin and Holbrook. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, mm. they, um, they had a wonderful coach for a while, Michael Marum, who also coached the PNG Hunters. And then he gave it up to become sports minister. Is Stanley Ganae involved in the setup somehow? I, I I presume so. Okay, good. Yeah. Be outrageous if he was. Do you know Wayne Bennett's brother coached Papua New Guinea? Bob Bennett, yeah. Bob Bennett. That's that's a rugby league name. Wrong name, eh? You could tell he was a cop, surely. Um, <laughs> I, I, assume, I, assume, I assume he was also a cop. <laughs> Bob, detective Bob Bennett. <laughs> Reese Martin's their highest of a point scorer, by the way. He is, yeah. Outrageous. Well, a lot oh, of that's a lot of that's a bit scratchy because they play a lot more. Yeah, games yeah. Was he? Was he? A lot like, of their early, am I, am their I early that, games are not very well documented. Am I Berenstein bearing this? Or was like, was he not like the most accurate goal kicker in the NRL at one point? He, oh, there was some record like that. Okay, I don't remember exactly what it was. I'm going to tip the Kumuls. Me too. Kumuls right. got plenty. We did it. We got to the end of our half hour podcast. that went for an hour. So, <laughs> I'm going to say, man, like the weather's hot and the takes are hotter. Oh. Can't put a saddle on these things, bro. So hot in this study. I hope people appreciate the lengths I go to for them. If they could see the the, the sheen of sweat upon your brow right now. You know what I'm going to do after this? Go for a swim? I I don't have a pool. Cold shower. Cold shower, yeah. Yeah, definitely do that. Thinking man's swim. That's right. Well, before we do that, though, I've got to give a shout out to the people in the top two tiers on our Patreon subscription service. If you'd like to support us, patreon.com forward slash Rookies, you get access to our Discord server, an extra podcast every week. Entry to next year's Culture and Cut, merch discounts, plenty more. And I will say, 
thank you that we have we haven't lost a single patron, even though it's the off season so far. So oh, thank really? You. That's great. And look, Thanks, we're gonna be we're gonna be keeping this content going. And apart from maybe the few weeks in November when I go overseas, but we'll probably have some stuff that we record before then to push out during that time anyway. Yeah, I but, dare you go overseas and abandon the show like that. I would never. Oh, yeah, you do it in the middle of the season, like a man. <laughs> like a gentleman. <laughs> so, yeah, the content's not stopping. We'll have some different stuff as well, some fun stuff that we're working on. So thank you to Chris Avnell, Dave, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Wayno the old coot. All right, stop, collaborate, and listen. Ice is back with a brand new invention. Something grabs a hold of me flat, tightly, flowing like a harpoon daily and nightly. Oh, would you like a brownie before you go to bed? Broncos legend Adam Reynolds, Bruce the Pom, Butsy, C1, C12, C14, C15, Walk of Shame, Super Team, Chewbacca's Nuffle Lovagus, Dan Carnan, Do it for Scott Minto, an anonymous backer, Doc Hogg, Ed Burton, future Clive Churchill medalist Billy Walters. I also went to school with Bungard. I, Matt Lungard, could not be happier for Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. I've got a blank space in my fantasy team and I'll write your name. Jason, Joe Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, kicks ass out of the comp, Lachlan Hancock, lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Midwell, Mads, Taylor's version, Matthew Duggan, Michael, sitting around and naming patron names the finest thing a person can do. It's literally my favorite thing to do in the whole world. Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, my ding ding dong is hard and I'm sad, never trendy. New South Wales team selections are shopping while hungry. Queensland use what they have in the fridge. Pat McManus, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, see you in Vegas, Shunter Ty. Testing the referee and establishing control in the rock is the finest thing a person can do. <laughs> they do. Chris Abnell, Dave, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, the black vegetable. The outro music is a vibe of 1.75 times speed. These white slippers are albino, African endangered rhino. Thor, Tom Hardy was. We are now offering shout outs to everyone in the lower tiers and to everyone who just listens. All fi- all listeners, please send five of your trails off at that point. Sorry, Hunter. <laughs> and West Slice podcast and the Pasco fiasco. Yeah, so Patreon is this thing where names... Uh, cut off at a certain point and I can't see them like even okay. if you've written more characters and that's so Hunter when you hear this feel free to message me what the end of that sentence is because he wants all listeners to send five of something to someone I assume it's money and him but <laughs> I don't know at this point it could be could be five photos of your feet to NRL physio I don't know could be anything I, I, I do like that there's a very clear there's two very clear groups here there's the people who the season is over and I'm not updating my name Mm. So that's Broncos legend Adam Reynolds. And He's sticking with it. Billy Walters, future Clive Churchill medalist winner. And then there's the people that are sticking with it. And then their names are slowly becoming more and more deranged as the summer as the summer heat melts all our brains. If, 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 so Joe changed his to Bart, would you like a brownie before you go to bed? If he could name it to a different Simpsons quote every week, I'd appreciate that a lot. That would be nice, yeah. Oh, and so everyone in the lower tiers, everyone who's listening, thank you as well. We're going to get out of here. Uh, we'll be back on probably Monday with uh, the wrap-up of we'll the back. first We'll be back next week. The... It's summertime, though. It's casual. Yeah. You know? it's, it's like, yeah it's, we'll come, it's, we'll, we'll it's, come it's... back in when the wind blows us back in. We need to get a cabana at the beach and podcast from there. Live. The, the Cabana boys. The Cabana boys have done it again. All right. Say goodbye, Campo. Goodbye, Bertrand. And it's goodbye from me.